thank you for listening to Calvary Aurora's weekly Bible study. We pray as you study through God's Word that you're blessed by God's abounding grace. Hey, how many of you guys like doing puzzles? Yeah? Puzzles are cool, you know? And I think about that because puzzles are like, you know, your life is kind of like a puzzle when you think about it. And, uh, you know, there's like little intricate pieces that kind of fit together and you go through times in your life where, you know, maybe one piece fits here and maybe one piece is an edge and you kind of can see it and things are kind of forming. And, but what happens when you step out and God tells you to do something and you follow him in obedience and yet your box of puzzle pieces, your life, I guess you would say, goes like this. What do you do? What do you do? Well, I think you do the natural thing. You get down on your knees and you start grabbing them. And you're looking around and you're saying, Lord, where are the corners? Where are the edges? You know, how do these things fit together? And, you know, and that's what we do. We scramble and we start freaking out sometimes because, hey, God, this is my life. And these are pieces that are important to me. And yet, what happened? And it doesn't make sense to us. And so it is easy when that, when that happens to start pointing the finger at God, to start blaming God. And you know, this is what the Lord does. This is, this is what he did with us. When he moved us from America to Ukraine in 2005, this is what happened to us. We, we arrived in Ukraine, we followed the Lord, and it was like God did this. And so we moved there with our um, kids and, and uh, here I was, trying to figure out what life was all about again. And so as I'm scrambling around, I'm looking, you know, the, I'm kind of looking up to God. God, you see what I'm doing here? And yet the Lord looks down, as he does in all of us when we get in these situations in life, and he says, are you done? What do you mean? I'm like, God, there's, there's a lot of pieces here. How It's going to take me a long time to put this back together, you know? And yet God will look back and he'll, he'll answer me from his word and he says, you know what? It's okay. I got this. And so what he's showing you is this, is the Lord is the master puzzle builder. See, he doesn't need a box top. He doesn't need to find, oh, where, where does this one go? You know, when God is putting your life together, when he's orchestrating the things in your life, he doesn't need to find the edges. He can grab any piece, wherever it is, and begin to put it together simply. You know, but you know what we do with these pieces? There are pieces in our lives where we would like to hide. And we're thinking, oh, God doesn't need this piece. That was something that I did in my life that, eh, you know what, God can't use that. So we tuck them away and we think, okay, you can take care of that puzzle, Lord. You can put it together. But the cool thing is, guys, is God will take every single piece in your life and he will put them together for the glory of God. And this is that's just, it's just the encouraging thing. So if your life is like this today, you're in good hands, trust me, because the master puzzle builder is working on your life. And so today we are going to cover a, a message in Psalm chapter 40 that kind of deals with this. We're going to take a look at David. And David in the Bible, I mean, I love the Psalms because David's so real. He can be like, you know, down at one point in life because life just stinks, but then he's, he's up in another high point because God is so good. And then he's down because his enemies are chasing him. And, and then he's up because it's like, you know what, man, but God is good. And so he's like, he's been a back and forth, but we can relate so much to the life of David because he's just so relatable, I guess, you know? But as I begin to think about this, God just led me to Psalm chapter 40. And so as I begin to look at this, let's, let's, let's do this because um, 
The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So guys, that's where we're going to start today because it's, it, it makes God, it brings God pleasure to work in your life. It brings God pleasure when you stop trying to put things together and you offer these things to God or you step back and you say, Lord, take these pieces and put them together. You understand that? It brings God pleasure. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you, even when the puzzle pieces were on the ground, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And you know, you know what's cool about this? I think about this, this illustration. I'm into graphics. I don't know if you guys knew that. Sorry, I'm, I'm kind of ADD, so I'm going to jump around all over the place here. But I'm, I do graphics here at Calvary Roar, so my mind's always thinking graphically, visually, stuff like that. But I, I have this idea that when we get to heaven, that God's going to have this puzzle piece of our lives put together. We're going to see these intricacies of pieces all connected together. And you know, when we're up close, we kind of get an idea of like, yeah, I guess that fits there. But you know what, when we step back from it, it's like seeing one of those collages where you could actually see an image in it. You ever seen one of those before, those computer things? And I think about that, I'm like, I bet you we're gonna be able to see the face of Jesus. I just thought about that, I'm like, man, that is just so cool because really, isn't it always about Jesus anyway? What he does in our lives, how he takes us, how he transforms us, how he molds us, how he makes us into, the, into more like him. So tonight, guys, we're going to tackle some things that, that might be a little difficult for you. Um, I know they were for me as I was thinking about this, but I'm excited because I know, guys, that, that the Spirit of the Lord is going to work in here tonight. So um, tonight, just turn to Psalm chapter 40, okay? Sometimes we go through life and, and this is our motto. I got this, Lord. I got this. You know what? I can do this. And that's what we do because you know what? That's what the world does. The world says, I got this. But guys, I want you to understand something here. As we go through Psalm chapter 40, if you want to change that slide, this is what the Lord wants to do in our lives. He wants to do this. Understand? Now, this is so important. Now, this is a sticker that I'm going to try to make and, and sell to Ed and say, Ed, you got to do these little stickers here. Because this is an idea that I had that it's like the reality of our life when we go through things, we need to understand that God says, I got this. It's not about you getting it. It's about God getting it and releasing that control over to the Lord all the time. Because we want to see God work in our lives, we're going to have to release that work to the Lord. So Psalm chapter 40, as we jump in here, let's take a look at this. Uh, chapter 40, verse 1, um, David says that I waited patiently for the Lord. Now, the word waited is to wait, to look, to eagerly hope for, to expect. See, he waited patiently for the Lord, but this waiting implies that God did not come and answer him right away. And that's so hard for us as Americans because we want that immediate answer. When we ask for something, when we do something, we want to get an answer. And yet as David was waiting here, it implies that relief did not come quickly to his aid or God did not come quickly to his aid. But Psalm chapter 27 verse 14 tells us to wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, it says, But those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, the key thing in that part of waiting was strengthening. 
We have to understand that, that as God calls me sometimes to wait in my life, what he wants to do is he wants to strengthen my life as I'm waiting upon him. Maybe that's the word for you today. Maybe you're looking for strength or you've tried and you've failed. Maybe, you've, maybe this is your life right now. Maybe this is what's going on in your life. And yet God wants to be your strength. And yet you're crying out, God, why aren't you my strength? And God says, you need to drop those puzzle pieces. You need to let those things go. And you need to let me be your strength. You know, maybe the Lord's trying to get your attention. And I think it's important that we take, as we look into the word of God, that we ask those questions. Because we need to be real with the Lord. Because he wants to be real with us. You know, sometimes we wait because we have to. And sometimes we wait because we get to. You know, we have to wait. It reminds me of on Friday when I was heading to a homeschool conference and I was driving down I-70 in the morning. I, I left early. I had a great time in the Word and I had my son with me. He was, he was 10 and we're driving down I-70 and next thing you know, traffic just stops. I don't know if you were on I-70 on Friday morning, but it was terrible. It was backed up, so I'm going on my phone and I'm looking in there and, you know, of course there's an accident. And so... Uh, for me, I'm really glad that I had some time with the Lord in the morning because it's easy to get frustrated and say, well, God, I need to be somewhere. Or you start telling God, you know, hey, this is what's going on. And, and yet, I think it's important that we trust the Lord with our day, that as we set those things before the Lord, and especially the events that come our way. And you know, I had some time to spend with my son in the car as we were sitting there, and, and my son who's 10 turned to me and he said, Dad? He said, we should pray for those people in that accident. And I was like, dude, you're 10. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but I'm like, man, that's awesome. Because what I saw was the heart of my son coming out that I can start complaining about my circumstance right now. But what he sees is beyond that circumstance to the people that are important. And you know what? Use a 10-year-old. God uses a 10-year-old to speak to me all the time, you know? And so I just love that. But yet, I'm blown away. So sometimes we wait because we have to. But sometimes we wait because we get to. And guys, this is that story of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. And I'll read this. It says, Now it happened as they went, that as they entered a certain village, a certain woman named Martha welcomed him to her house. And she had a sister called Mary, and she also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about so many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. So guys, Jesus is over for dinner, okay? He's over for dinner. Both sisters are excited to have Jesus over, but guys, both are very different on how they responded to him. Both sat at the feet of Jesus, I'm sure talking, listening, attentive to what Jesus might say, but then Martha gets distracted and goes, starts making, you know, dinner. You see, Martha got involved in making sandwiches that Jesus didn't order, and I think that that's something that's very important to, mem to remember because what did Jesus say in here? Jesus said that, that Mary has chosen the better thing. That she was waiting on the Lord, sitting at his feet, listening to him. Yes, there were things to do, but sometimes that those things can wait. 
And so sometimes we wait because we get to. Do you understand? When Jesus comes knocking at your door, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, comes in, um, if anyone comes and opens the door, I will come into him, sup with him, and he with me. That God wants to have, he wants to have dinner. So when was the last time you had dinner with Jesus? When was the last time that he came knocking on your door and you said, Lord, my schedule's clear. Let me just sit down and, and, and hear from you. So this is important that we, we wait because we get to. So today, guys, as we are looking at this, I want to give you six benefits of waiting on God. Because we need to understand first that our perspective here is that this is the heart of the Lord. And this is what he's telling us. I got this. And when you understand that the Lord has this, then when we go through those times of waiting, when we go through those times like this, God's going to speak to our hearts in ways that we're going to be able to receive from him, benefit from him, and grow in him. So the first thing, sometimes our waiting, guys, includes wailing, okay? Sometimes our waiting includes wailing. But the first point that I want you to understand is found in chapter uh, 40, verse 1b, it says, it says, and he inclined to me and he heard my cry. Basically, it says that God was attentive to David's prayer, okay? He hears me, he turns to me, he hears my cry for help, that basically God notices what's going on in my life and he pays attention to that. Let me ask you this, what causes you to cry out to God? You know, maybe you've been spending too much time looking horizontally and not enough time looking vertically. But what is it that causes us to cry out to the Lord? You know, we all have our different pain tolerances. <laughs> Some of us are, we can handle things a lot better than others. But guys, God's goal in whatever he takes you through is not your suffering, but your sanctification. And what that means is that God is interested in setting you apart, transforming your life, and molding you more into the person of Jesus Christ. That's his desire. And so Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know, when I think about crying out, I think about, <laughs> I think about a baby and a mom because well, it was, it's been a while, but I think about that. You know, their voice initiates a response from mom. And our cries from help, for help so many times initiate a response from our creator. And yet we have to be careful that in those times of crying, we remember this. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus is in the boat. Remember then the fierce storm comes? It says, on that same day, when evening had come... He said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as, as he was, and the other little boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat onto the boat so that it was already filling. And he was in the stern asleep on the pillow, and they awoke him, and they said to him, Teacher, do, not, do you not care that we are perishing? And he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea, and he said, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you, that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? You guys see that 
they were going through a difficulty. They were going through a hard time. And what did they do? They said that they woke him up. How many times have you dealt with something like this and maybe you said in your heart and it, or maybe you thought this, God, why are you sleeping? Why are you not answering me? Maybe you said like the disciples, don't you care that we are perishing? Don't you care that my life is in shambles? Don't you care that this is what's going on? You know, that's a natural, sometimes a natural response because we are not in control because it's not, God, I don't got this. I don't. And when we own up to that, it's humbling. You know, guys, we use that card when our expectations are not being met or we are invoking our desperate response. What we're really saying, though, is, Lord, this situation that I'm in, it's bad, and you let it happen. And the best thing to be for me is out of this situation, so I'm letting you know that because it hurts. And God, because you love me, I know you love me, but I know that you don't want me hurt, right? And uh, did you get that? Because you obviously are not listening or you don't care. Those are kind of harsh words, but that's kind of what happens when, that's what these disciples said. Don't you care that we are perishing? But you know what? The Lord does care. And as we're going to read through this and find out that God does care and God does listen. And guys, the point is this. That guys, that God hears and God pays attention. So number one. God got the, I got this, the Lord says. Six benefits of waiting on the Lord. Number one, that God hears me and he, and he pays attention. The second thing, guys, found in verse two is that the Lord lifts me up. It says, he also brought me up out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay. The pit, the word for pit in Hebrew is bore, which basically means a pit or a hole or a cistern or a prison. And we found in Jeremiah chapter 39 um, or 38 where Jeremiah was dropped into a prison or a prison or a cistern and it said that he sunk down deep up to his up to his uh, he said he sank down into the muck and the mire and you can think about this in Jeremiah's life he's sitting in this cistern he's looking around it stinks it's dank it's damp it's stinky you know this is his surrounding this is life for him at that point. There's no help on the horizon. And so all Jeremiah can do is look where he came from, and that's to look up. Jeremiah was looking for a rescuer, and he was rescued, the Bible says, that God brought Ebed-Melech, who was an Ethiopian that came and actually rescued him and pulled him up, guys. But just as Jeremiah needed a rescuer, so do we. We often find ourselves in the muck and the mire of life, we squirm and we struggle, but to no avail. And as much as we want to control our lives and rid them from the horrible pits of life, they're going to come because we live in a fallen world. Pits have a way of making us cry out. We each have a pain tolerance that we can handle until it's just enough for us to cry out. But who do we cry out to? This is important. For some, it's an excuse to hit the bar, another fix, to go on a food binge, or to mask the pain with another relationship. 
but that only brings temporary relief for the moment while ignoring the long-term effects and consequences that are looming just around the corner. Notice, guys, that David, in this situation, he praises God because not only does God hear him, but then God lifts him from that pit, from that pit of, this, of despair. The third thing the Lord does, guys, it says that he, in verse 2b, it says that he sets his feet on solid ground. It says, he set my feet upon a rock. This rock, the word rock in the Old Testament is Salah, which is a craggy rock or a fortress. It's a stronghold of Jehovah. It's a place of security. And guys, this is truly where I really want to be, right? On a firm foundation, a secure place, a protected place, a trustworthy place, a stable place. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Now in Matthew chapter 5, we, we begin to hear about the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is on the Mount of, and uh, he's basically um, shelling out the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are what I like to call the killer bees because that's exactly what they were. Jesus describes the traits he's looking for in those who would choose to follow him. And Jesus talks about building on the rock in Matthew chapter 7. He says, therefore, Matthew chapter 7 verse 24, he says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rains descend and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. That firm foundation, that solid ground isn't that what God said he is? And isn't that who God says he is? 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 2 says, No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. 2 Samuel chapter 22, 32 says, For who is God except the Lord, and who is a rock except our God? This rock that it's referring to in the Old Testament is a boulder a boulder of a mountain. And yet that is the foundation that the Lord rests their life upon. When God says, I got this, he's telling you to wait. And when he's telling you to wait, it's because he hears you. He's paying attention to you. He's lifting you up from the pit of despair. Trust him in that. He's gonna set your feet on a solid ground. And number four, he's going to establish you for walking. Verse 2c, it says, and he established my steps. The New Living Translation says that he steadied me as I walked along. Guys, notice this word, establish. It's the Hebrew word kun, which basically means to stand perpendicular. So as he's picking you up from the pit, he's standing you perpendicular. He doesn't just drop you and hope you stand on your own. He's standing you upright. But guys, as he stands you upright, notice, what, notice the verse. He established my steps. Tells me something. As God sets me up, he wants me to do something. He wants me to move. He doesn't want me to stand still. 
establishing my steps. Guys, this is truly the walk of faith right here. A walk of faith includes trusting, it includes following, it includes obeying. Trusting, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understandings. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. It includes following. As believers of Christ, we are called his followers. It's not a following from a distance. It's not a checking in once in a while or once a week. It's not a superficial following like on social media, but this is a following that is relational. And as a follower, I must decide to follow God, not to lead God. Understand that. I must choose to follow God, not lead him. Matthew chapter 16 tells me this. It tells, tells me to, that Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Mark chapter 1 verse 16 says, and as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting their nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and they followed him. John 8, 12, Jesus says, he spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus said that my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. We need to be careful not to lead God. God's called us to lead in other areas, but not to lead God. Our job is to follow the Lord. We're trusting, we're following, we're obeying. Obeying. James chapter 1, verse 22, the Bible says, James says, to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. How do we deceive ourselves? I got this. Idiot, idiot light. It's just, it's the truth, right? We deceive ourselves because we think we're all that in a bag of chips, and we're not. And God comes alongside and shows us that you don't have it. As soon as you recognize this, that I got this, this is where change is going to happen in your life. Some of you guys are here, but that's not where you're going to stay because God's got a plan for your life and he's going to work in your life and he's going to take all this mess, all this muck and all this mire and he's got a plan for your life. We got to trust him in that. So as we're moving through here, guys, as we're seeing this, we're finding out that when the Lord says, I got this, he wants us to wait and realize that God hears me and he pays attention, that he's lifting me up from the pit of despair, that he's setting my feet on solid ground, that he's establishing my steps for movement. And then thirdly, or, or fourthly, fifthly, sorry, <laughs> he's given me a new song to sing. In verse three, it says, he has put a new song in, our, in my mouth, praise to our God. Psalm chapter 98, verse one says, oh, sing to the Lord a new song for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his and his holy arm have gained him the victory. Psalm 98 verse 4 says, Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Break forth in song and rejoice and sing praises. Guys, where does this joy come from? This joy comes from we, as we experience the things of the Lord, as we 
follow the Lord, as we allow the Lord to do what he's going to do, as we allow God to be the master puzzle builder in our lives and begin to put the pieces together, as we wait upon the Lord, as we experience how God hears me and pays attention, as he lifts me up from the pit of despair, as he sets my feet on solid ground, as he establishes my steps. Guys, what does that do in your heart? The end result of that is he's gonna give you a new song to sing. You know why? Because you're seeing how good God is. And when God gets your attention and shows you who he is, something's gonna change on the inside. This joy comes from seeing the work of God in my life, in your life. It comes from a changed heart. Paul and Silas, guys, perfect example of this. In our, in, looking in the Bible in Acts chapter 16, check it out. This is so cool. You guys remember the story, Paul and Silas, as they were, I'll just read it here in verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 16, it says, Now what happened is we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. And this girl followed Paul and, Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul greatly annoyed turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hopes for profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas. They dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and they said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive and observe. When the multitudes rose up together against them and the magistrates, they tore their clothes and they commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. And having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet with stocks. These guys were in the pit of despair. But check out verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Guys, where does that come from? That's not natural. You know where that comes from? I got this. Because God's in control of their life and they knew it. That whatever happened in their life, whether it be good or whether it be bad, they knew that God's got this. And the joy that came from their life led to what spilled from their hearts out of their mouths. And it didn't matter who was around because God is real. And when God does something in your life, when he takes you by experience through something like this, when he does all these steps in your life, this is what's going to happen. A natural byproduct that is the joy of the Lord is going to flood from your life. Not because your circumstances are so great. Okay, we're not singing because we're happy, you know, doing the happy dance. No, we're singing because the joy of the Lord is so real that it's penetrating the darkness in my life and the reality of who God is in his presence. It's flooding my life so that the joy of the Lord is coming out of my life. And that's where we all want to be, right? Because he's given me a new song to sing. So in my waiting, I realize that God's got this. 
I realize that God hears me. He pays attention. I realize that God is lifting me up from the pit of despair. I realize that God sets my feet on solid ground. Number four, I realize that he has established my steps. I realize, number five, that he has given me a new song to sing. And finally, number six, that God's going to get the glory. It says that many will see it and fear, verse 3b, and they will trust the Lord. Isn't this cool? This is such a cool picture because this is where I was in verse 1. But check it out where I am now in verse 3. What has God done in my life to bring me to verse 3 so that everybody's looking around at my life and they're looking around at your life and they're bringing glory to God because of what he's done. And guys, that's what God wants to do in your life. As you, as you make the choice to follow him, as you make the choice to wait upon God, as you wait upon God, not because you have to, but because you get to. Many will see and be amazed. Anybody ever here ever witnessed a miracle? A few people? Man, I love to see one. And God reminded me of this. He says, he says, dude, you're looking, in the wrong, you're looking in the wrong place. I'm like, well, what do you mean, Lord? He says, so many times people want to see the physical act of a miracle happen. They want, to, they want to get the oohs and the ahs. They want to see the act of God take place. And they're looking intently and they're, wanting, they're running after that. But they're missing that the greater work that Jesus has promised us, the greater works are going to happen in the human heart. They're going to happen not just physically in this world, but they're going to happen spiritually and they're going to carry on into eternity. A miracle is an act of God. To see a life transformed and changed, that is a miracle. Absolutely. You know, you know miracles around you. You've seen, we see miracles every day. We just have to choose to look in the right place. So you want to be a church filled with miracles? You are a church filled with miracles. You can say to your neighbor next to you, man, you're a miracle. I'm a miracle because God got involved in my life and did some serious changing. You know, this is the coolest thing. We want to see miracles. All we got to do is look to our neighbor. All we got to do is look in the mirror because we're seeing the miracles that God's doing in our lives. I know, guys, so as we're looking at these verses, as we look at these only three verses, man, there's so much meat in there. I don't know how I could just finish up the chapter, but I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna stick on these. These guys, these three verses, when we look at them, these are examples of the grace of God in a believer's life. Such a cool picture. Because notice, guys, notice who does the work. Notice who does the work. This is what I wanna say. But that's what God says. Notice who does the work. God lifts me up. God hears me. He pays attention. He lifts me up from the pit of despair. He sets my feet on solid ground. He establishes my steps. He gives me a new song to sing. And what's the result of that? God gets the glory. And isn't that what he wanted all along? How does that happen? By me trying so hard? No, God, this is where I was in verse 1, you know? But yet as I'm sensitive to the Lord and I allow the Lord to speak and work into my life, this is what I'm going to be experiencing in verse 3. The glory of the Lord using me in a crazy way because God wants to. Because in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, we know what it says. 
You know, that God wants to work through our lives so that for his good pleasure. I teach a class on um, Monday nights, Pure Life Ministry. Um, or Tuesday nights, I'm sorry. Uh, Pure Life Ministry. It's a pornography addiction class. Um, and uh, it's a serious class. And you know, guys, the reality is this. That whatever bondage you're in, whatever things, that, whatever muck and mire you're in, that's not where God intends you to be. And the reality is this, is that when we experience freedom from the Lord, this is really the steps that God takes us through. If you think about it, it starts with us waiting on the Lord. Okay? He brings us to that breaking point where we have to cry out to him. Something happens in our life that rocks our world in such a way where we're broken and we have to cry out to the Lord. And in that crying out, the Bible tells us that God hears us. And God hears us and he pays attention. The Bible tells me that he lifts me up from that pit of despair. The Bible tells me that he sets my feet on solid ground. The Bible says that he establishes my steps. The Bible says that he gives me a new song to sing. And the Bible says that God gets the glory. Guys, this is the life that has been transformed from somebody who was addicted to something to somebody who's set free. There's only one step, and that's to Jesus. And the more that we keep our eyes on Jesus, the more that, more that our lives are going to be all right. And you know, this is the pattern, because this is the pattern of God's grace, that God does the work, but he has to get our attention. Sometimes he's going to take us through things in our lives. And guys, the reality is this, this isn't a one-time event in our lives. For some of you guys, this could be your fifth, sixth, seventh time in your life you're going through this. And you know what? We will go through this many, many more times because we live in a fallen world. But guys, let me tell you this. The next time you go through this, remember this. Don't forget this. Because this will so change the way you go through that situation. If you don't look to this and you don't realize this, your natural inclination is this. I'm going to close with this, guys, that Psalm chapter 46, verse 10, tells me this. It says, to be still and to know that I'm God, that I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in all the earth. To be still and to know, to stop squirming, to not stop complaining, to stop whatever it might be if you're in this situation, but you need to be still and to know that you are God. The word know is yada, and that word means to ascertain by seeing. Have you applied Psalm chapter 40, verse 1 through 3 to your situation? Be still and know that I am God. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you tonight, and Lord, I'm just... Uh, just really feel prompted, God, that if there's people here tonight, God, that need prayer, Lord, I would pray, God, that, that their hearts, Lord, as you've ministered to mine, God, and I know, God, you've, you've, you're ministering in this, in this group, Lord, these body of believers, Lord, that, God, if you've, if you've brought conviction or you've brought something into our lives that, that is allowing us to rethink how we're living life, if we're living life, Lord, turning that 
turning that bubble upside down, Lord, and allowing you to, to have this, Lord. I would just pray, God, that tonight, Lord, they would come forward for prayer, Lord, and that, and that God, we would really just be able to pray for them and just allow you to do that work, God, that they would be releasing that goes on tonight. God, that if there's any strongholds in their life, things that they're holding on to that, that they just, that they've got this, Lord, that you would break that, Lord, and you'd show them, Lord, that they don't have it. You'd bring them to that breaking point, God, to realize that it's okay to let go. And it's okay to let the master puzzle builder start putting those pieces together in their lives. And it's okay to let God do his work. And it's okay not to know the answers. But Lord, you give us answers in your word. In three short verses, God, you show us what grace looks like in our lives. You show us how you take us in our situation and you bring us to a place where we truly want to be. Man, God, I want to have a, I want to have a song of joy in my life. I want to have a song of joy spout forth from my life. But God, I can't because I'm dealing with something in my life. Lord, don't let that act of disbelief, Lord, hinder, hinder me or hinder any of us here, God, from truly stepping out and reaching out and honoring you, God, and choosing to give to you and walk by faith as you've called us to. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that you've been touched by this study from Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call area code 303-628-7200. Be blessed this week in the Lord.